Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. I'm so stoked to be here with you today. And my girl, Olivia, is here with us. She and I met when we were in college at Brigham Young University, and we both majored in early childhood education. And you guys, this mama was totally, she wasn't a mom at the time that I met her. She wasn't even married. I remember her main name was Zippy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is like the best name ever. (laughs) And she was totally that human where you're like, okay, you're like way too pretty and way too cute and way too nice to be real. Like she intimidated me like crazy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Like really. And then we got to be in the same practicum, which if you're familiar with that, basically it means when we were almost done with school, we were in the same classes all together. Like every single class, there was like 10 or 11 of us that had absolutely every single class together. And we went through student teaching together. And like, needless to say that group of women, like, oh my goodness, they just, they have my heart. Right. And she was in my practicum with me. And I just really, really grew to love and respect her and admire her even more. And we graduated, we both got married, babies, kids, whatever, all the things, right? But then social media has kept us in touch as much as it it really can, right? She lives in Florida now, I'm in Las Vegas, all the time zone funness, but I have just watched her on social media for, for years now. And I have just been so impressed by the mama she is, the person she is, and the message that she has. And I mean, I'll be completely real. She's definitely been that mama sometimes when I follow her and I'm like, man, girlfriend, you just like have it all together. (laughs) You just do the cutest things with your littles and, and all the things. But in speaking with her, she has really come to have this beautiful message about helping parents, moms especially, but parents as well, provide independent play opportunities with their kiddos and not just having that, you must be present with your child at all times to teach them every single thing, right? But instead providing those opportunities for them to teach themselves and to play and to learn through play and to have that those opportunities. So I wanted to bring her on, especially with school starting to help all those mamas out there who maybe just need that extra, that extra love, that extra touch of, you know what, it's okay for my kiddo to learn by themselves and to play by themselves and all the things. So Ms. Olivia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I have such fond memories of our time together as undergrads. And I mean, we laughed together and we cried together and everything in between. And I'm just really, I've been looking forward to this literally for weeks now, just like chatting. I love, I totally geek out when I talk about this stuff. So 
I'm very much looking forward to this. Oh, good. And a little backstory just for funny. Uh, remember when my daughter drank bleach a couple episodes ago? <laughs> yeah, that was the episode we were supposed to chat. <laughs> and uh, then I like had to, oh my gosh, reschedule because like, oh, you know, we were supposed to chat in like 45 minutes and I was headed oh. to the emergency room. So she was like, honestly, though, I think it's going to work out better because this is what I want to talk about. And we can like air it around the time that school's starting. And so yeah. I think it'll work. So so, and we're now recording this uh, right around the time my dad passed away, um, a little over a week ago. And she's just had so much grace with me with like, okay, my daughter drank bleach. Okay. Now my dad died. And she's just like rescheduled with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, this, she mom, like you have to be flexible. That's I get it. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> well, and I appreciate your flexibility. So thank you. And honestly, I, I feel like that just means that your message just needs to be heard that much more because I feel like anytime all those obstacles come and they just hit you and they hit you and they hit you and they hit you, it's like, uh, okay, I'm going to lean into this because clearly somebody is trying to make this not happen. Yes. So clearly it needs to happen because it's absolutely going to blow. It's gonna mm -hmm. blow. So anyways, okay. So without further ado, my friends, tell us more about you, your message, all the things. Okay. So, um, I taught for three years formally in classrooms, got some really good experiences there. Um, I taught in preschool and kindergarten in the public school, and then I taught a year with toddlers. And that year I got to teach at, um, this was in Virginia at Virginia tech. And I taught at their child development center and I worked with the toddlers in twos. So, Initially, I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. We're changing diapers. Like, it's messy. Like, I don't want to do this. Turned out to be my favorite year that I ever taught. Um, and I learned about something called the Reggio Emilia philosophy. And it's all about being very child-centered, um, setting up the child's environment to meet their needs and kind of thinking of the environment as a third teacher. So there's the child and the children around him. And then... Um, there's you, the adult or the teacher, parent, whatever it is, and then the classroom. And I think that that's really powerful when we, when we think about our homes as the place where our children initially begin to learn. I mean, they're not in school. Um, I guess this depends on what your situation is, but a typical path is to have your kids at home and then going to preschool around three or four um, and then into kindergarten. And so those first years, I think we feel a lot of pressure as moms to prepare them for school, get them ready with all of the knowledge and skills that they need. And that is an enormous amount of pressure to put on a young mother. I mean, motherhood is nutso. There's just so much going on. And that just feels like too much. And so my passion that we can just dive into today is just helping parents create an environment for play where their kids can be independent. And subsequently, they can do whatever fulfills them as well. Because our job as moms and as parents generally um, is not in my opinion, to spend every waking minute with our kids and to follow them around and support them and make sure they're okay. Um, one of the best things we can do for them is let them be alone and independent and without us to discover and explore on their own. 
So I don't know. Where do you want to go from here? Okay. So I just want to, I want to ask, pick your brain for a second. Okay. Because I think especially, and maybe not every mom relates to me in this, but I just feel like I have, I don't even know what the right word is. I don't want to say like trauma or like PTSD, but it almost feels that way that like, I legit have like issues in my brain that if I leave my kiddos unattended, like ever, Mm. I'm going to get like, um, what is it called? Like child protective services. Like, (laughs) Like, and I literally like, so literally, I honestly, it's almost a problem that like, Mm -hmm. I must be on the same floor with my kids. And if I'm upstairs, they need to be upstairs with me. And if they're not, I turn into momzilla. Like you have got to come upstairs with me. You're not allowed. And, but it's almost like, like my kids can play by themselves, but not very long. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need you. I need you. I need you. And like, if I'm showering, they're showering with me or they're in the bath right next to me. If I'm downstairs doing the dishes, they're in the playroom right next to me. If I'm upstairs working in my office, they're in the, in the loft next to me, watching TV or playing and running down the hallway or whatever it is they're doing. Right. Um, so we're like, and I have this, like, (laughs) no, like they have to be right next to me. They have, I have to be on the same level. I have to be like available and accessible to them always, or else they're probably going to die or I'm going to have DCFS called on me or like, so I don't know if I like, just, I I have anxiety and I need to like be seen for that (laughs) or if that's like a normal mom thing or yeah. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I have a couple of thoughts about that. First of all, I do think it's very normal in this day and age to feel that way. Parenting now is so different from how parenting was when we were kids, right? I mean, I did a lot by myself when I was little. I think it was kind of um, the sort of idea of, and I don't think we're helicopter parents, but we are more so than our parents were. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like the idea of helicoptering on our kids, I feel like it kind of started in the last couple of decades before that. I mean, you think about like the fifties and sixties, kids would just go out and play with their friends and their parents would say, be home for dinner. Like that was it. So things have changed a lot and in many ways for the better, it is good to keep our kids safe and to know where they are and to just be aware of those things. But at the same time, I think that we've let the pendulum swing a little too far the other direction. And we do have to try to let go of that sort of control. And that can be really hard because there have been some real disasters when I get in the shower and let my kids do whatever the heck they want. Like you're running a risk. Like you could come out of the shower to a huge mess that takes up a long time to clean or whatever. It's just a big headache. Um, so it's definitely risky, but I guess it just takes practice. It just takes little by little letting go. It also depends on their age. I mean, you've got some little, little ones. I'm the same way. I like to keep them pretty close by, like if I'm, if they're pretty young, but like my four-year-old, I, I've started to kind of lengthen the distance between us. Mm-hmm. We're in the same house or he's just right outside and the front door's open. You know, I can hear him, but he's on, you know, you as, as they get older and as you understand their needs and their abilities, you can kind of increase the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think another important thing to remember is that like we, raising kids has not always been put on one person like it is today. In not, well, not very long ago, I mean, kids were raised with the entire extended family being involved. You had grandmas and grandpas, you had aunts and uncles, you had even like neighbors in the neighborhood surrounding you. For us to be raising our kids with just in this nuclear family, with just two parents and sometimes just one parent in like a single parenting situation, that is like really new in like the timeline of the world. Mm -hmm. So that's something that helps me give myself some grace is that this is not really how kids have always been raised. And if I'm ever going to get a shower, if I'm ever going to brush my teeth, if I'm ever going to, I don't know, take a nap or pursue my own business or whatever it may be, something's got to give. And so that's where I think independent play comes in. And we just have to not let the guilt get to us Mm -hmm. and say, I'm not going to feel guilty about my kids playing alone. And I know they're safe. They know where I am if they need me. And then you just have to do it and practice and see that everything turns out okay. And sometimes there is going to be a disaster and you clean it up and make it a learning experience. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath and say, okay, my couch has a new stain on it, but it's not the end of the world. My kids are fine. I don't know. I think it's definitely a personality thing, but it's also something we can train ourselves to do. And I, I work on this every day. I mean, this is definitely something that's, I think it's hard for most moms, if I'm being honest. And that work in progress. Well, and now that you say all that, I'm like, okay, I have to give myself a little credit because I think it's, I mean, I do have a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh my gosh. And my, but with my four-year-old, I can totally relate with what you're saying. Like he's almost five, but I can totally, totally relate with the like, yeah, he's outside. And the door is open so I can hear if, and he knows I'm inside. So like, yes, I think I do need to give myself a little bit of credit that, okay, I think I am doing this pretty good, (laughs) but I think with my, my baby and my three-year-old, you know, sometimes maybe not as much, but that'll come, right? It Uh, will. Yes. And you know, what's best for your kids. You're not going to leave them alone when they're not ready to be completely alone. And I think independent play doesn't necessarily mean they're, like alone in a room by themselves. It's important to, you know, kind of define independent play as the adult is just not involved. I could be sitting on the couch right next to my child playing on the rug, but I'm reading my book clearly immersed in this and they can see that, that my attention and energy is not playing into their play at all. And then they begin to play on their own in a really different way because I am busy. Okay. Does that makes sense. That totally makes sense. That's a really yeah. good distinction. Cause I, I think in my head, it was like independent play equals we are in opposite ends of the house. They are by themselves. I am by myself period, you know? So, but yeah. it doesn't have to mean that. So no, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think that that's one of the best ways you can encourage an independent play is through that modeling of like, this is what I'm doing. I'm immersing myself in something by myself. I'm not involving you. I'm not talking to you about it. I'm not making you do it with me. And I'm really enjoying it. And often we don't even need to like say anything. It's kind of that idea of like, maybe when you go outside to play, 
you just start gardening. You start working in your vegetable garden. You start weeding. Maybe they want to join you, but they think, oh, mom's busy. I guess I'll just go play over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a modeling thing, really. We're not modeling actual play, but we're modeling the idea of focusing on one thing independently. I love that. Well, and I think what a beautiful opportunity too when they are curious about what what it is we're doing what what you're eating mom or what you're Mm -hmm. doing you know like we can tell them about our our passions that we that we love and and the things that we enjoy our hobbies you know and they yes we can teach them by example (laughs) that it's important to fill those sides of of your soul and not just only be a a momaholic or a workaholic amen And that's one thing that I think is independent play also helps our kids establish and understand really healthy boundaries. Because when we like, when we are showing them that our alone time is important and needed, it also shows them your alone time is important and needed. It is, it's good for our brains. It's good for us to recharge and to just be inside of ourselves for a little while. Um, no matter how like introverted or extroverted you are, we just all need some alone time sometimes. So one thing that I think kind of actually ruffles some feathers in the motherhood community, which, but when we really look inward, this can be an interesting thing to think about is um, if our child asks us to play with them, you don't always have to say yes. And sometimes there are things that I don't even like to do with my child. I really hate playing Legos. It's like so boring to me. I don't understand. Like I don't have any ideas for what to build or I like to follow instructions and build something, but you just give me a bin of Legos. I'm like, this is so boring. And so sometimes when my son asks me, Hey mom, do you want to play Legos with me? I say, you know what? I don't really like to play Legos, but if you want to read a book with me, I love to read books so we can do that together. So I'll just be over here you let me know if you want to play books or read books. And that I think has shown him that number one, the world doesn't revolve around him, which is such a good thing for our kids to learn. Um, Just in the sense that I, my interests are not the same as his interests. Just because he likes Legos doesn't mean I like them and that's okay. And I really like to, I don't know. I can't think of any of my hobbies right now. How ironic. I really like to um, crochet, but he doesn't like to crochet, you know? And so I think when he goes to school, that will be a really beneficial skill for him to know. Like if I ask a kid to play dinosaurs with me, if they say no, that's okay. Like they're allowed to say no. And I can also say no to other kids. If I'm not interested, we can be polite and kind about it figure out something we both like to do, but it just kind of teaches empathy, um, in a way that I really like. So, yeah, well, and it also teaches empathy and their own ability. Like you were just saying to, yeah, I don't have to do things that I really don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And what a beautiful skill set. Like it might not matter now when you're like four and it's Legos versus crochet. Right. But when you're 14, 15, 16, Hey, do you want to come do this and go to this party with me? Actually? No, I don't want to. Right. Mm -hmm. And teaching that skill of, you know what, that is not something I like to do that they've been good at saying no to their friends. Mm -hmm. 
for 12 years, you know, yeah. if, yeah. if it's not in alignment with who they are. Yeah. In a way that doesn't break anyone down that just mm -hmm. says, you know what, we're different people and I don't want to do that. And you do No, like that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that when we encourage our kids to play independently, we're showing them some really healthy boundaries. And then they understand our role as their parent, that we are human beings with feelings and interests and lives and things we need to do to fulfill us outside of our parenthood. So that's been really helpful to me. And something I like to say to myself is um, kind of like an affirmation, like I don't like to play with my kids or do whatever specific thing with my kids. And I am a good mom. These two things are not mutually ex exclusive. It's not one or the other. You can do both at the same time. And that's a hard one to admit to ourselves because it makes us seem like we don't love our kids or something. And maybe people do, some people do like to play with their kids a lot. I just like, I, I thought that maybe since I was a teacher, like I would really like this. I just don't. <laughs> and that's okay. And sometimes that can make a sacrifice too and say, you know what? I don't really like to play Legos, but that's something you like to do. Sure. Let's do it for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's a lot of opportunities there for us to model that for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think really, truly, it doesn't have to be black or white in this Yeah, because I'm just thinking about, you know, the podcast I did a, at the beginning of the summer with like choosing to play with one of my amazing friends, Sean A, who like loves to play with her kids, like yeah. doesn't necessarily love to clean with her kids, but she loves to play with her kids. Right. And mm -hmm. I feel like there's, there's both moms out there. There's those who yeah. like, yeah, if it's not fun, I ain't doing it. Like, but if it's fun, yep. Screw all the responsibilities. Sorry. That probably wasn't a very nice word, but like <laughs> see you later responsibilities. I'm just going to play. And then there's the opposite mom. Like there that's like, no, what I have too many responsibilities. I, I can't ever spend time with you because I got to do that, 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 right. And I, I really do think it's about finding that, that, that harmony. I don't love the word yes. balance, but that harmony of, yeah. you know, today is a day where, you know what I want to read because I really like this book. <laughs> and so how about you play by me and I, I'm going to read this book. But, and then the next day, you know what, yesterday I read for a long time and you were very patient with me and let me do my thing. So yes, today I will play with you, yeah. right. Or we'll go X, Y, Z to this place. So we'll do Legos for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. And I really agree with that. Like 10, 15 minute rule, quote unquote, is it really is amazing to me when my son asks me to do stuff that ne I don't necessarily want to do. If I just tell him, yep, I'll play with you for 15 minutes. And yes. we literally set a timer. We literally set a timer. And it honestly, it goes by fast when I, and I, it helps me to like be more present in the moment because I know it's short-lived versus like, all right, I'm going to play with you, but I'm going to get distracted kind of because I really don't want to be doing this. And so, but then when I just like, okay, yes, I told him 15 minutes, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes and then I can go back to whatever it is that I want to do. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. And that when we give kids that undivided attention, it's so valuable in what it can do for them and the love that they feel from us. It doesn't seem like a very long time, but for kids, it can really fill up their tank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So amen. amen to that. 
Okay. So I have had a lot of guilt lately around like my oldest, my son, I had, I mean, I had one kid, right. And it was, I didn't really have, I had my coaching business, but I wasn't as super into it as I am now. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like I really, I was there for him. Like always, if he was awake, I was playing with him or he was like working on his little computer by me or whatever. Like we, I was very intentional about lots of things. We read so many books together every single day. We were like, he knew his colors. He knew his animal sounds. He knew his letters, you know, by the time he was like two or three, you know, and I just felt like, yeah, I'm a super mom. Like (laughs) he is just doing so great. And then I had more than one kid. (laughs) and uh and then my passion for coaching grew and then I started a podcast and then I started writing for a blog and then you know what I mean like we don't live by my family anymore so I don't have necessarily the ants or the whatever that I used to have so my daughter is about to go into preschool and she doesn't really know her colors (laughs) and she doesn't even know like her name starts with an a And sometimes she knows which one is a, and other times she doesn't. And I'm like, I really don't feel like I've done things that differently from him to her, but obviously Mm -hmm. I have because he, she does not know her letters. She does not even hardly know her colors. And so I think I have like a lot of guilt as a mom, especially as a teacher. And so will you just chat with us about your thoughts around that? Yes, absolutely. Um, It's very easy for us to look at the learning skills that have quantifiable outcomes, right? So we love to say, he knows 10 out of 26 letters. We need to learn 16 more. Like that feels doable. It's logical and it's, it's a checklist. So it's really easy to focus on those things. And as a teacher, we did. We literally filled out checklists of those skills within the curriculum. So I don't, I think no matter what your background is, that's what we're inclined to focus on is these quantifiable outcomes. When really what's important is the skills that our children have and how they have learned to learn. So I always like to point to the research when I talk about independent play and there is really solid, amazing research that tells us of tons of benefits of independent play. And I have a list here. I'll read them off to you and um, you can kind of consider the difference between these versus like no 26 letters and then 26 uppercase, 26 lowercase, no your numbers, one to 20, no your colors, things like that. So this list is what independent play encourages. We've got improved self-esteem and confidence, creativity and imagination, longer attention span, time management, healthy emotional regulation, autonomy, healthy boundaries, patience, problem solving, self-reliance, and my list ends there, but the actual list keeps going for a long time. Those are the kind of skills that are going to teach our kids how to learn so that when they go to school, they have the skills to accomplish and learn what they need to. So what I try and instill in parents is that when we are letting our kids play independently, they're getting these skills 
which then when you send them to school, they can begin, you know, if we, if we keep going with the alphabet thing, they will have the resilience to learn the alphabet. When it gets hard, they'll be able to pick themselves back up and say, I can learn this, I can do this. When they're decoding a word, they have the problem solving skills to break it apart and put it back together. When they're um, reading any sort of anything, you have a longer attention span. They're able to sit and read a book because of independent play that has trained them to have a long attention span. So when we step back and look at those outcomes, those are the things that are not only gonna serve them when they start going to school, but like for life. Those are skills we want our kids to have for life. So when we remember that too, hopefully the hope is that the guilt goes away because knowledge is power. And we know that these are research-based outcomes of independent play. So if I'm letting my kid play by myself, I do not need to feel any guilt because I know for a fact, the research says it's good for them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's even that, I don't even know what the right words are, but that validation that even when I sometimes have play dates or whatever, and I don't go play with my kids, with those yeah. friends, I just drop them off. And then I go do my own thing for like an hour or two. Is it hard to say goodbye? Yes. Are there tears that might be shed? Yes. Are they fine? Yes. And am I that much more fulfilled when I come back? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I need to leave them, we've had a little bit of practice, right? And, and I, I feel like it's probably, you know, similar concepts that is it hard at first? probably, but the more we, the more we do it, the easier it gets on both sides, right? That maybe this whole independent play thing is new for me. I don't really like this as mom and child, right? But the, the more we do it, the more we practice it, the better we get at it. And then those skill sets really do, do come in. So I love that. I want to ask you, um, what, Cause I'm, I, I wish I could just like be a fly on your wall and just like watch you for like a day. Right. Cause I really learned by, by seeing. Yeah. So absolutely. will you just like walk us through a day in, in your life? Like, obviously yeah. we understand that like every day probably isn't perfect and whatever there's ups and downs and highs and lows and variation, but a typical day in your life, like, what does it look like? Yeah. Um, This is a really good question because I think that this is going to lead us to the actionable things that we can do to make this happen in our homes. And of course, as we've acknowledged, everyone is different. Every family is different. Every child is different. Every mom is different in their style. And, um, but I do think that this, the way I do things is so flexible and it's easy to um, manipulate it to work for any household. Um, So typically in our home, I mean, my kids come and wake me up when they're allowed to get up. Um, We have one of those little like, okay to wake clocks. I feel like you did those with Holland. Yes, I have one too. Um, Yeah. So they'll come get us and we start with breakfast. We eat breakfast together. Dad gets ready, goes to work. 
after that, my kids just kind of go off and do their thing while I'm doing breakfast dishes. That's kind of my time to get things going for the day with like getting myself ready, getting the house cleaned up um, and ready to go. One of the things that I like to do, I don't always do this. I probably do this a couple times a week. Um, the night before I'll put out what I like to call a play start. We often see, have you heard of like an invitation to play? Um, I, I feel like depending on who you follow on Instagram, they are all over the place and they are elaborate and beautiful and detailed and oh my goodness, so overwhelming. <laughs> and if I, when I see things like that, I'm like, well, I'm failing this. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I keep it really simple. Um, some play starts that I really love to put out. Play-Doh is always a good go-to for us. I'll put out Play-Doh with one other like cookie cutters or little plastic knives or um, just some sort of tool. Or um, another good one is any kind of art supply. So I'll put out just paper and scissors and glue. Just set it out. You don't say you have to do this with this, these materials. This is your goal. This is the end result. You just put it out and kind of see what they do with it. Um, and then sensory bins are my all-time favorite. We have the sensory table from Ikea, the Flissot table. It is the best, I think it was like 50 bucks I've ever spent in my <laughs> entire career as an educator. Um, we just put all kinds of things in there, rice, beans, oats, um, dried noodles. We've done even just water, um, depending on how much I'm in the mood to clean up that day. I'll put different things in the sensory bin. Um, sometimes I'll throw in some little magnetic letters just to sneak in some letter exposure. Just it's nothing forced or you have to do this activity. These play starts are just simple. They're just there. And if the child likes them, they can play with them for a long time. And if they don't like them, you log that away and remember not to do that one again and think of something different the next time. So it's just something that gets them going. So anyway, I put out a play start every, maybe a couple times a week. And so they'll start doing that play start in the morning. Um, and then our day, it really just follows a typical routine. What's important to remember with independent play is you do have a routine. It's not just a free-for-all. It's a routine with predictability and then pockets for independent play that is wherever direction, it, whatever direction it wants to go. So, wow, I'm getting like off topic. Okay, so I do breakfast, we clean up, the kids play. Then we kind of go into lunch and that whole time we've just been playing kind of interacting when they need me I come in when they don't need me I go out and I do my stuff at lunchtime we eat lunch together um, my younger one goes down for his nap and then my older one will maybe have his show time or um, there's like certain you know those certain activities that he can't do while the little ones are up because they've got little pieces or um, materials I don't want my two-year-old to use or whatever he gets to do those special activities and a lot and then throughout this there's just like outside play inside play we just move in and out as the kids want to um park visits errands um and then around dinner time dad gets home and he plays with the kids while I do dinner and then we do bedtime and they read books and go to sleep it's pretty my house is the independence is important to me. And so it's something I've always 
encouraged. Mm-hmm. And um, my kids really do their own thing a lot. But when they ask me to come in, I I come and intervene however feels appropriate at the time. Is that a good explanation of our yeah. day? No, totally. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I guess I'm just wondering, um, so I can totally see it and all the things. So after nap time is over, I know for me and probably a lot of parents out there that like that witching hour is just yeah. so real, right? Like it's so real. Yes. So that time from like two to five or whenever it is that like, mm-hmm. okay, nap time is over and we've been together all day and dad's not going to be home yet. And I like, whatever, you know, so you're a your their tempers might be high and your patience might be thin or whatever so what in that area so that's when you do like you go get out of the house basically is that what I'm hearing um sometimes I have okay we'll see if I can keep my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) I have two things I thought of as you talk about the witching hour um the first one is that I find it at least in my home to be really helpful when in that middle time, when it's quiet time, nap time, whatever, to clean up as best I can to create, at least in the play area, and to kind of have a refresh of that area because our kids can feel that chaos and then it manifests in their behavior. And so, One thing that I'm actually not very good at is having my kids help me clean up their toys. Like usually at the end of the night, we all clean up together, but sometimes I'm just like, for the sake of their behavior, I need to just like clean up this room really quick. I can do it in like a quarter of the time it will take them. I'm just going to whip through it and do it because it's going to affect everyone's emotions and behavior. So if you feel like that's something that wouldn't drain you, I totally love to do that. And I mean, it's what we did in our classroom as well. During nap time, we would clean up, like cleaning up wasn't really a focus in that classroom. And sometimes I wished it was, it's a great skill, but ultimately when it helps the behavior that much, sometimes it's like, well, let's just tidy it up a little bit and have a restart. So that's kind of the first thing I thought of was in the middle of the day, as much as you can to reset the play area. And then the second thing I thought of, oh, so when you're seeing these behaviors like really start to escalate, there's three, I have like three tricks I like to try. And usually one of the three works during the witching hour. Um, The first one is to turn on some quiet music. I think that um, if you kind of get the kids either, well, you can like start them dancing or playing with some music, but like then maybe it's just some really calm classical music. That music can really impact their, the way they're feeling and then inspire play and kind of get them out of their, the part of their brain that's feeling so emotional. Um, Another thing, often in the afternoon, I will, this is like really specific, but there's research that tells us this works turn off all of your artificial lighting and just open all your windows. Um, Just that stimulation for your kids can be a lot. They've had a whole day. They're working through everything they've been, that's been thrown at them. And so to just decrease the stimulation 
can really help in that visual way. Yeah. So maybe actually turning on music wouldn't work because maybe your kids need more quiet and calm, but sometimes that can just be better than the silence. If it's calming music too, like yes. I, I literally have a playlist called chill and it always no. helps me like yes. when I, when that witching hour is there, or I'm like trying to make dinner and everybody's just stressed. Mm-hmm. And I have like my favorite, like slower tempo songs that just like, Okay. And I think for whatever reason, just the fact that it's even called chill. And when I like intentionally turn it on, like Alexa shuffle my playlist, chill. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me like, okay, Bryn, like, <laughs> take, a <deep> <laughs> take a deep breath, chill out. It's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, and I was going to say, what was my third thing? Um, oh, just to, um, if you can change your physical setting. So if you're inside, go outside. If you've been outside, come inside. If you need to move to a different room, um, even just moving to another space in a room, we don't all live in like houses with a million square feet. So sometimes it's like, where am I supposed to go? But even if you've just been playing on the floor, move up to the couch with a pile of books, um, with some sort of calming activity that those three things, usually if my kids are like wild and crazy and I'm losing my mind as well, one of those three things usually really helps to kind of get everybody centered and calmed down and then into their little zones of me doing dinner and my kids playing either together or by themselves. I love that. I love that so much. And one thought that I had too, when you were talking about cleaning specifically, I, I feel like sometimes <laughs> having a clean house sometimes gets a bad rap as a mom that it, like, I just feel like sometimes there's like mom guilt being passed around that you're like, oh no, I don't have a clean house because I actually stopped to play with my children instead of doing my oh. dishes. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, I, and I feel like there's just those mommy wars, whatever, sometimes just get really eye roll status to me, <laughs> but I feel like there's, there is, there is a, that harmony, right. Of, yeah. you know what? And I think having that conversation, like you were talking about of, you know what, sweetheart, I really don't want to play Legos right now because these dishes are really making me stressed. So I just want to do the dishes really quick. And as soon as I'm done with the dishes, then I'll come play with you. Right. Or having those conversations and being true to your word, not being that person on that commercial that you've seen a million times over of like the, the dad said, I'll play with you later. And then their whole life goes by and they never played with them. Right. Like, don't be that person that, yeah, I'll play with you after I do the dishes. And then you never, you never do. Right. Of course. But yeah. If you said you were going to try to be true to your word, obviously giving yourself grace because you're imperfect as am I. Um, but also, in addition to having those types of conversations, having that ability to let them help you. And honestly, there's been so many times where I'm like, like even today, right before Olivia and I were planning to meet to get together to record this, I was like, okay, guys, we're going to have a cleaning party. <laughs> and like our words are so powerful because if we just call it a cleaning party, instead of like, we're going to tidy the house, you know, my, you know, my kids, of course, are like, I don't a cleaning party and I was like no it's gonna be fun like we'll turn on music and we'll work together and we'll set a timer and we'll just the magical thing that I have found for myself and my family is we don't have to do it all 
we're just going to do as much as we can for 10 minutes. And then when that timer goes off, we're going to be done. Even if we're not done, we'll be done because, mm-hmm. but we have to work really hard that whole 10 minutes. And guess what? 99.99999% of the time we finish in eight minutes. Yeah. We didn't even need the whole 10 minutes. And, yeah. but when we really like just, and when I let them help me, it really does become fun. And now all of a sudden the music is still going because we just finished our cleaning party. And now we've got this clean space that we can dance around with now, because now we've got all this energy from like cleaning up and we beat the timer and yay. Right. Like, Ah. so there are definitely those moments where I'm like, nope, I just need you guys to go outside and I'll do this. Right. Get out of here. I love you. Bye-bye. Right. So there's definitely those moments, but I think sometimes we can embrace those moments of even a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old can be helpful when we were cleaning up like 30 minutes ago or whenever it was now, um, I gave my baby, my one-year-old a Clorox bleach wipe and told her, help me wipe it. Right. And she, I had a wipe. I was right next to her, obviously to make sure she doesn't swallow bleach again, you know, (laughs) But like, I was right there next to her and we're both just wiping off our little play table, you know, because from the syrup this morning or whatever. Right. So even just giving them those opportunities and, and letting them see that they really are capable of being helpful if we help them find that in, in themselves. So, well, and I think like we have to remember that when they help us, that feels like play to them a lot of the time. I mean, obviously my son does not like to clean up his toys. That feels like work, but like, mom, can I help you with the dishes? Mom, can I help with dinner? He asks me every day. And that's, that's because it feels exciting and fun and new. And we just can't comprehend that because we're grownups and it is not play for us. And so we're like, oh, no, I got it. Like, it's fine. Like, you don't know how to do it the right way. So I'm just, I mean, these are not things we'd ever say to them, but that's what we're thinking is like, it's going to be faster if I just do it myself. But in reality, if we squash that so early on, like, no, don't help me. Like, do we really think we're going to raise helpful kids later down the road? Like, we have to get them involved early on and it helps so much to remember how they see it in their brains that it's not work that it's exciting and fun mm-hmm. well and and if we can turn it into a game then it really does just go so much better like even yeah. even just the little tiny things right like you're saying about it's not that fun to clean up the toys but what if we I have to put all these animals and dinosaurs away into our bucket that we have for them. What if we play basketball at the same time, right? And we're far away and we're trying to throw them into the, you know, and are we cleaning up? Is it going to take a little longer? Sure. But can we, can we make this a game somehow? Um, can and like really my favorite trick is just like racing the clock. And if we, if I totally bribe my children with candy all the time, If we beat the timer, then you'll get a piece of candy. Yes. Because <laughs> oh. it works. It does work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it does work. Yes. But no, I love this. And I love the, the clean music and change your physical setting. And that was beautiful advice. So, okay. Well, um, yeah. Any other thoughts that you 
want to share any like you know what I really this needs to be said um I think I just really want moms to be able to remember that while it's really incredible that moms give up so much for motherhood um we don't have to give up everything that we are still human beings with feelings and emotions and interests and passions and we have to not just do what's best for our kids but sometimes do what's good for us too and that's just why I've become so passionate about independent play because not only is it so good for our kids but it's so good for parents and it gives us that time to just be us and not to just be a mom which I hate saying that because just a mom is just the silliest combination of words but it's easy to lose ourselves and if this is something that will help just one mom to find the time to be more herself, then my job is done. Like I just really want moms to feel like their own people mm-hmm. so that they can be the best moms they can to their kids. Totally. And I, I've talked to so many mamas out there who are empty nesters now who didn't understand that message Um, that you just shared and they totally like well now what right who am I now that my kids are are grown and raised and it doesn't even have to be empty nesters sometimes it's just yeah alive all my kids are in school what do I do now now what yeah and sometimes we when we dedicate ourselves so wholeheartedly to motherhood And wait a minute, all of my kids are at school now and I cleaned up this morning and it's eight hours later and my house is still clean. What in the world do I do with myself, (laughs) right? And I feel like, especially those mamas out there who are in the same stage as Olivia and myself, it is really, really, really important to find and not just find, but rekindle the things that used to make you come alive. If you've lost Mm -hmm. that, right? What, what did you used to love to do? And I know that sometimes it's hard to like, even Olivia said during this episode, like, I can't even think about any of my hobbies right now, which is really ironic. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it has to be anything big or grand. Like, I think sometimes we think, unless I can start a business around it, it's not a passion of mine, Oh gosh, but, yeah. but it doesn't have to be like, I just, I like to cook. I, I really do. It's weird, but I do. And it brings me joy. I really, I like to clean up. I like to have a clean house. I really like to get ready for the day. I love to make my bed. I love, love to put on jewelry. (laughs) I love to work out, which is weird, but I do, right? (laughs) And I don't think it has to be, I love to paint and I love to hike the biggest mountain in the world. You know, like it doesn't have to be grand or glorious or glamorous to be a hobby. Right. And, and to be something that brings you joy. So, um, one last thought I had when you were sharing that is there's a quote that I love that says, don't ask what the world needs, 
ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive and i want to flip that on its head and i think i've said this on a previous podcast but i'm just going to say it again don't ask what your kids need ask what makes you come alive because what your kids need is a mom who has come alive yeah right so that's amazing that's perfect yeah okay oh i love you this was so good so good and i'm like totally gonna go buy an ikea sensory table now and (laughs) And even if you don't have a sensory table i literally the sterilite bins Mm -hmm. are perfect Mm -hmm. yeah and really just a big bowl like a a big bowl bowl. (laughs) and yeah a sink full of bubbly water i mean keep it simple you do not need to go out and buy a bunch of things just figure out what your children like and go from there Yes. And, and if you're anything like me, mama, and it's going to require a little bit of cleanup, like I, one of my mantras has really become, it's okay. Messes can be cleaned up because I think my kids know me well enough. Like they made a mess that I'm like, okay. Messes can be cleaned up. Um, You're awesome. I want to share one more thing that keeps coming to mind that I forgot to share. This is actually something that um, we had the opportunity to watch this movie called 10 Things Every Child Needs when we were in school together. And um, I, I took note of it because I was like, man alive, this is so good. So I want to read this really quick. So just 10 things every child needs is number one, interaction. Number two, touch. Number three, a stable relationship. And it basically just says something along the lines of like, even walking causes babies stress. They don't sleep well, they're whiny, but they'll get it. And if you are just there for them and you're watching them, you're paying attention to them, you're exploring with them, that that is that stable relationship. Number four is a safe and healthy environment. Number five is self-esteem. Tell them you're great. That was wonderful. You're amazing, right? Number six is quality care. Making sure that when they're in preschool or have a caregiver situation, making sure that it's quality care. Number seven is communication. Number eight is play. Number nine is music. And number 10 is reading. So how many of those things did we like talk about? Yeah, today already without even really necessarily meaning to, but I feel like this really can and will help mom and kiddo just be that much happier. So, anyway, love it. Uh, so good. Okay, well, any other final thoughts before we go? Oh, I don't think so, but this was just a very delightful conversation. Um, like I said, I totally geek out. So this was just wonderful. Good. Good. I loved it too. And if people want to find you, where do they go? So you can find me on Instagram at live the mom. And I also have an Etsy shop called live the mom where you can find my handmade learning collection. It's um, open-ended learning materials for alphabet numbers, colors, shapes, everything that you can just throw in to 
these independent play starts um, as your kids are playing at home. So awesome. And it's live L-I-V, not L-I-V-E, right? L-I-V. Yes. The name live. Like, like mm-hmm. Her name is Olivia L-I-V. Yes. Love Perfect. it. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you, my friend for joining us and go have fun reading your book, mama, or doing your thing and let your kiddo play and all the things. I love you. And we'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace. Thank you.